Tune in. Tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar, tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. In Guitar Lesson 22, which is being released as a whole episode again, Dan and Gary examine the rationale behind warming up before playing the guitar, looking at reasons which different people might have for doing so. Following this, Dan takes us through a range of warm-ups and exercises which you can use. In the second part of this lesson, we look at some ways you might put together a practice schedule in order to gain the most benefit from your time on the guitar. Dan, having not been playing so much during my holiday and then wanting to get back into uh, practicing, it got me thinking about how best to warm up. Mm. A few riffs, uh, which would be a kind of shortcut to practice lots of techniques. Yeah. And a fast track practice schedule, so to speak. And I tried to, I've been trying to put one together myself. Yeah. I've been asking questions of forums out on the internet, but I thought I'd bring the question to you. If you've got some ideas for that, that'd be amazing. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got their own take on all of these things, of course, and I think it's it's best to remember, especially if you're listening to podcasts like this, that you might want to take all of what we say, you might yeah. want to take a little bit of it, some of it might be absolutely applicable to the style you play and what you're doing, other things might not. So in music, while there are rules of the game, which we, we know so well in terms of sort of playing music and writing music, there are also so, so many anomalies. Yeah. Unfortunately, the untrained human race that don't really deal with music very often like to pigeonhole things. And, you know, you probably, we've always, that guitarist probably heard silly things like, oh, who's the best guitarist in the world? And, What's the best guitar? It's not a stupid question. It's like, what's the best car in the world? Well, if you've got to take seven kids everywhere, then it's probably a minibus. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's all about <laughs> yeah. function, isn't it? If you're it? looking at parking in the busiest city and there's only one or two of you, then it's probably absolutely the wrong thing to take. You know, so what I'm trying to say, essentially, is that everything's down to not just opinion, but also application. What, yeah. you, what you're doing at the time. And there are so many anomalies in music. You know, what works for one person doesn't always work for another. You know, the anatomy of different people, while roughly the same, is mildly different in terms of whether people have big stretches, small stretches of the hand, if they've got long fingers, short fingers, you know. And also what they play. Do they tend to use their little finger a lot and get that involved? Or do they just use three in sort of the typical blues style? Yeah, and all of this makes a big difference to what we might choose. Because what is the point of a warm-up? Tell me. What do you see the whole point of warming up to be? Okay, here's the hippie answer. Come on, man. To get in the, <laughs> to get in the zone. Get on your caftan. <laughs> smoke some weed and tell me where you're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I've got it. Uh, to get as, as quickly as you possibly can into the zone. The zone. Um, uh, because... Playing the guitar can be tough a bit to answer, like isn't it? it is tough to answer. Yeah. Playing the guitar can be like a lot of things. If you transition towards something and you don't transition in the right way, you tend to be left thinking about all the stuff that's come before, like your stresses and the strains for the day and things like that. So I think part of a warm-up for me, and it's just part, I would mm-hmm. say, is to change your mind. Put yourself in the right mindset. Put yourself in the right mindset, yeah. That's an interesting thing to say. It is a very hippie answer. Yeah, no, no, yeah no, it is, yeah. <laughs> it is, you know, that, that is a very interesting thing to say. Because, again, everyone's idea of a warm-up yeah. is different. If you're me, I get to play quite a lot of guitar. Being a professional musician, yeah. it's what I do for a living. So if I'm not 
playing on lessons, I'm playing a gig or session or whatever it may be. And so the the warm-up aspect, because I guess I've played a lot of guitar in my life and I'm playing a lot of guitar every week, every week and most days and everything if it was part of my job. You're doing it so much, it's almost like hitting the ground running. Yeah. If you know what I mean. You're, you're, you're... Yeah, what I've just talked about doesn't feature for that. Does it? Exactly, and this that. is kind of what I'm talking about. For, yeah. for me, I suppose when I think of a warm-up, I think of the more mechanical aspects. Yeah, well, that, yeah, of, that would be of, of not wanting to do yourself any physical damage or injury through letting it slide and go, going for it like a bull out of a gate when you haven't really warmed up properly. Yeah. And, and also being able to pull off the kinds of things that you would like to be able to pull off and usually can. Sometimes you even sort of accommodate some of that by how you place the set. In other words, don't make the most technically difficult and challenging guitar-orientated tune the first tune you play. Yeah. You know, put it five, six, seven tunes into the set. Yourself time to warm up during right. the actual set itself. Because yeah. this is the other thing, is a warm-up, in its truest sense of the word, as in warming up before a performance, for, for any musician who doesn't have a dressing room, and that's most of us who are on the pub, club, wedding and corporate circuit, we don't have those luxuries. You know, and often, even if we did warm up by playing before we left home, we might be spending an hour or two in a car before we even get to the venue. We're then going to spend another hour setting up mm. and sound checking, where really getting the sound right is the main thing. And then it could be straight in with the gig, there could be a break. So that idea of there being a warm-up is almost a bit of a misnomer for us in that situation. Yeah. Whereas those who have a dressing room and and have the time to play and, and that maybe an hour or so before a gig, because they're, you know, they're sort of set up and allows them to do so, they are probably the, the people who are being funded by record companies and, and things like that, and, yeah. and they're supporting maybe a major artist or something. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, it's, it, it depends a lot, doesn't it? It's not always like the working musician who's going out there slogging his guts out for sort of, sort of under 100 quid a gig who's necessarily going to have the privilege of warming up. But I understand for you, and let's talk about it maybe from this angle. You've been away for a few weeks to America, right? Yeah. So Playing a little bit, but not, mu not much. Thinking about it, but not playing. <laughs> been playing until the guy in the store says, shut up, we know you can play. Yeah, that's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, this I am very in tune with. My oldest daughter lives in Australia, and I've been out there several times. And yeah, you start to kind of get itchy fingers after a while and you, you know, you're thinking, I want to go and visit a music shop. And you'll find sort of where a music shop is and you'll go in there just to play and make a silly excuse as to why you have to play this guitar. Yeah. I'm looking for I'm a telecaster because it's four <laughs> times as expensive as it is in the UK and that's absolutely fine. Yeah. If you can't get black ones back home with a baby leg. And that's dumb over there. It's the thing I would like to play it through. That's right. That's it. Yeah, the most expensive amplifier. But I've had... It's just the way it's been. I've been out to Oz three times. And certainly the last... Or the first two times I went, one of them I had a gig the night I got home. I yeah. couldn't believe it. I landed at Heathrow about half six in the morning. Parents came and picked me up. I went home, went to bed for a couple of hours. It's not quite so bad, I don't find flying this way, flying no, out there is worse. I, I went and took my motorcycle for a bit of a spin for an hour and a half or so, came home, and then I had a gig that night. And I must admit, I felt a bit, oh, at the gig. I, felt, I thought I was quite badly jet-lagged, so I didn't feel great. But I did play beforehand, get in the zone. And then the other time was the... It was the very last time I went, I think. I might have even had a... Uh, the middle time, I might have had a, a, a gig. But the very last time I went back in 2012, again, I had a gig, like, the next night, where I hadn't really played. I'd taken acoustic guitar with me, but I hadn't played an electric properly for sort of three weeks. I thought, I've really got to get back in the groove. And it, it's amazing. You don't necessarily lose your musicality 
in some ways you gain that eagerness to get yeah. back on the instrument. You no, can't true. wait. It's like coming home and sleeping in your own bed. It's like, you know, the premiere in is very nice, but, you know, thank goodness. Yeah. We're back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but when it comes to the guitar, for me, it was getting back some of those motor actions, the kind of the picking, yeah. the precision, and that sort of thing that had gone a little bit awry where I hadn't kind of had a proper play for a while. Yeah, yeah, even like your rhythm and stuff like that, isn't it? It's, uh, there's certain things mm. that you have to just sort of keep ticking over. And that's what, I guess, for me, like with a two-year-old sapping quite a lot of our time in, a, in, a, in the nicest possible way, and very little time to actually sort of pick up a guitar, plug it in, you know, and get it once you've done all that. You haven't really got that long. And sometimes you can sit and put some tunes on in the background and play over it and what have you, but like a few riffs to just keep your technique at a decent level. Yeah. Bending, I think, is a big issue. You know, tapping. Like, the, the mental aspect of the fretboard for me now is mm. not as big a deal. I can do that away from the guitar. I mean, this is where the things we've talked about in previous podcasts about practicing away from the guitar really pays some yeah, dividends. Yeah, because really good, I yeah. don't know about you, but I mean, I sit there in the evening sometimes watching TV with the family and you know, they want you there. And, you know, yeah, exactly. Even if it's just being there and watching TV, they don't want you to disappear to your man cave and play on your lovely guitars that have cost you thousands of... Anyway, <laughs> anyway, sorry, we don't, where am I going with this? Anyway, we digress. <laughs> so, so you sit there maybe yeah. with an iPad or something, half watching the TV, half trawling through the internet. And it, it is something, you can get a surprising amount done just by sitting there. Yeah, that's true. You know, whether it whether it be emails you've got to send or actually, or actually kind of sort of the fretboard on the guitar, you know, and learning it. You can you can learn a lot about music by sitting there and reading up and and, and kind of sort of mentally kind of ruminating on it. I want to maybe split this down into two different kinds of things because we were talking one about a warm up session. Yeah. The second thing was about a practice session, and then the thing you did mention too was about the lack of time. Yeah. Yeah. Because you and I were kids, we're kind of in a very similar boat. You know, again, I've got two very young kids. Very demanding, very demanding of my time. Yeah. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Things eat into your time. I'm sorry, folks out there, we haven't played the guitar yet. We will. <laughs> we Keep will. listening. I hope it's entertaining for you. We'll get into this. <laughs> um, we will. So I think there's two things, because I do think practicing is different to a warm-up. Right, yeah, okay. I think the very nature of, of sitting down and playing the guitar will put you in the right mindset you know, possibly for a gig. Yeah. But I also think there's good days and bad days with gigs, so don't let that put you off. So if you're going to play with a band or rehearse with a band or practice with a band, you know, there's there's been times where I can't wait to go and play a gig. The one at the weekend I had was so far away, it was a nightmare to get to, it was really tiring, I was knackered already. But I was trying my new exotic XCS2 guitar, which is win actually and I was it is. determined to uh, plug it through my favourite amplifier which I haven't hauled into every venue because it's big and my favourite pedal board for the same reasons which I haven't used for a few weeks and tonally it was quite an experience even for me sitting there who's heard this set up you know, millions of times it was lovely just to get out the big guns and have, have a good blast with a, with a fantastic tone so in that respect, I was really looking forward to that gig. There's been other gigs where I've sat in, you know, the car, the drummer and I have car shed, and I've got in the passenger side after packing my gear in his car, and I'm like, mate, I'm not in the mood for this. I want to sit on the sofa and watch Family Fortunes, and he's like, I'm the same. <laughs> and then you go and you have an amazing gig. Yeah. You can't judge a book by its cover. Every combination's out there, yeah. It is. So I want to take us through some, some basics. Let's start with the basic warm-up, because this won't take us long, Okay. I don't think. Now, depending on the kind of player you are, probably you want something that will get your fingers going. Yeah. 
even if you're a, a bluesy player who doesn't use their little finger loads, I think it's a good idea to get it involved at some level. Now, I've always found, although it is probably the first, and in some cases only exercise that people ever get given, I still think it's a really valid one, this one finger per fret exercise. Oh, yeah. thing really so what we were doing there just to explain to everyone who's, who's listening in the one finger per fret exercise for those that don't know sometimes it's referred to as the spider as well yeah. for obvious reasons i'm starting on the first fret and i'm just going frets one two three four same with every string and my picking action is a strict down and up alternated picking reach the top I then slide up one fret and come back down a fret higher five four three two and up again now that was a bit messy of me but this actually demonstrates the value of it. I the guess. value yeah. of it. If you go into an exercise and you go at it like a bullet at a gate, which I did a little bit, then it's not always good. So yeah. an exercise like this is maybe best played at a moderate pace. And the kind of up and remit of your... Metronome playing, I think if you're trying to warm up and you're coming in it from cold and you haven't played maybe like last thing technical things really, for a while, yeah. it's, not a, it's not a bad way of keeping track. Certainly if you're trying to push yourself or even if you're trying to keep, you know, if you find yourself drifting into a faster tempo and then kind of tripping up over yourself. Now, the other thing you suggested was alternating the fingers. Again, this is very good, so maybe go one, four, two, three, or something like that. And coming down, five, two, four, three. combination I mean, all, for me all I was trying to do really with these exercises was get the pick connecting with the fingers and get the fingers moving yeah they're not musically that interesting but then I would then do what I would normally do I boil it down into the shapes that make a scale and maybe do that where I've got one four sorry one two and four and the same with the frets keep that straight change it like that I'd probably do one set like the one, two, and four. And then do one, three, four. I mean, a metronome could be very good with this to help keep you on track, to stop you pushing. You can practice triplets as well, can you, and stuff like that. I mean, that essentially, I guess, if you're doing three, that would be the case with that. Yeah. If you're using a metronome, use the metronome to help you keep on track, sort of timing-wise, so you don't push too hard on the yeah. on the speed okay. for accuracy. It's a very good and very quick warm-up, okay. but there may be people out there that don't really play like that. They're maybe bluesy kind of players. Yes. Now, I think for the bluesier among us who 
are using maybe fingers one, two, and three, and occasionally the fourth. Maybe something like breaking that down into two sets of three. Sliding up to the fourth, going four, three, two, and the same on the next string. Yeah, good warm ups, really, aren't they? Get your motor mm. thing going a bit. And maybe if you are that kind of player, what you could do as well is maybe on every third string, chuck in the little finger. So. Just that way, you're still sort of using it, but maybe to more the level you would use it in the real world. Yeah, okay. Possibly. That's cool, yeah. I think it's good as well to apply things to scale shapes. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to do every single key, but I think it's good to maybe, and again, we'll try and apply this to the more technical and slightly less technical player. So somebody who's maybe comes from a more technical bent maybe they want to look at three note per string scales. So maybe try the major scale in every position. And literally going across the sixth string. can be quite quite good again from the point of view, view of sort of drilling home all of the regular shapes that we use within a scale yeah so from a finger point of view fingers one three and four one yeah. two and four and also one two and four but played over two two fret stretches so say fret one three and five Just because it's exercising one of the shapes that's commonly used within the straightforward major and minors and many other scales. Yeah, big stretch as well. Yeah. Now, taking it in terms of a, a more bluesy outlook, a bluesy player might want to say... Use these sort of shapes. Maybe they could familiarise themselves with some of the shapes they're going to use. So, possibly the blues scale, for example, yeah, might yeah. people who disagree but I find picking is quite it's quite a tough technique to really kind of try and get down yeah you know a lot's are being asked of you you know a lot's happening you have to work it quite hard sometimes I find to make it work something else which I think is great if you're warming up is not just scales and stuff like that but maybe try and do a little chord work so it could be Going down a more melodic groove. But maybe sort of, rather than playing something that you already know, maybe sort of pick a key. I've got D minor there as my key. Out some chords. Cool. 
working your kind of harmonic yeah. sort of part of your musical brain that deals with the harmony. on the fly a little bit sometimes yeah and try and keep it in key yeah yeah okay if you play a lot of funky stuff it might be a good idea to kind of work on a funky a little funky exercise a little cool funky exercise you could do is pick a funky groove get a little bit funky on your ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. pushing the rhythms around, you know? sometimes lose that instantaneousness which allows you to drop into a situation where you're playing with a live band or whatever and just go for it yeah yeah, yeah. the reason musicians who are at the top of their game as session musicians and so forth one of the reasons they get paid what they do is because they can do what takes lesser players far longer to master I remember doing a session with somebody who I was doing a lot of kind of studio work for him and his manager had done a lot of the guitar work and he said to me, he said, my manager who manages me would come in and kind of lay down some guitar for free. But he said, the difference is what takes Dell all day, he said, you can do it in two hours and you're gone. You know, he'll spend a half a day or a day on it and he'll finally get it and it'll be all right. You'll nail it. You'll get it better than him. And you'll do it in a couple of hours and you'll go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's that ability to just be dropped into a scenario. Well, I've practiced this at some stage. At yeah, some point, this, I've yeah. got all of, yeah, I've got, it's like I, we refer to it in the trades as a trick bag sometimes. Yeah, it's in the bank. Yeah, you yeah. know, hence, hence that famous piece, Eugene's trick bag. And, I, and I, I call it a trick bag because it's a bit like you're rummaging around in the bag for yeah. something that you know fits, you know, what fits the scenario. We've been here before. But it's the things like keeping the rhythm going when you're playing something funky, you know. Oops, high up there. skill yeah one one to remember to practice actually yeah okay start with that something like that and then just and build it up
some other things which might be kind of handy to people in terms of the warm-ups yeah and we're, i'm trying to make this accessible for everybody yeah so that it, it's not just for the technical players necessarily the rolling stones warm up before a show yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't play anything technical you know and they'll sit there playing playing stuff before a show for an hour or so yeah, I imagine Mick Jagger's involved doing like backflips and somersaults and stuff like that. Quite possibly. Yeah. They, they give him a gymnasium, the other two boys get a broom covered. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the other thing too, really, is actually using the stuff to play. So it's good to maybe have a few backing tracks that you're normally quite happy with and do a little bit of playing. Because playing is kind of a bit like testing whether your warm-up worked. You can warm up, as we said earlier, for a number of different reasons. It could be if you do all the technical stuff that you yeah. know you don't want to hurt yourself, you don't want to get caught out, you want to be able to hit the ground running. For me, I found after those trips to Australia, needing to go on stage and play, I didn't want to go out there half-cocked and not be able to do some of the things that I can normally do. Yeah, you know, Nothing really kind of beats it. You know, If, you, if you've been playing a lot, then you you really do get very very gig fit and very yeah. and your your ability level sort of goes up, you know, from the point of your picking and accuracy and everything, because you're doing it all the time. Yeah. And sometimes when you haven't gigged with a band for a couple of weeks and you've played a whole lot less because of it, because you go and do a gig, you're probably playing for two or three hours, so you missed out on a large chunk of of playing and having your hands on that instrument. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's good to to actually play. Let's think of a few real-world scenarios. You know, last time I went to Australia, I did take a guitar with me. Strung with gauge 12 strings, as most acoustics are. You come home, you've got gauge 10s on the electric guitar or 9s or whatever you use. Bending and everything is going to be all over the place, and you won't have bent many strings yeah. probably playing an acoustic guitar as when you play your electric. So it might be that your, bending, your string bending accuracy is out. Maybe it's a good time to kind of recuperate the feel for that. So I'm bending from the eight there. Different, um... Yeah, your new guitar puts quite a Jeff Becky tone out. Especially if I play it with a finger. exercise is you should actually rather than just playing what you play mm. target specific bends one two three or even bigger bends if you want to and make sure that your accuracy still exists with those bends yeah. if you're playing a gig where you'll be playing a lot of bar chords and things like that maybe do some rounds of that because that can be quite hard actually that continuous action yeah. even on the strumming you Gig, yeah. 
that you feel could cause you problems, yeah, or needs work, or you you feel that has a technique applied to it that you might have kind of lost or has trailed off a little bit through the time period that you have not played. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. That's all really good stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's for me to add to my little little bag of practice. That's it. So before anyone listens to this and is up in arms, oh, I don't play fast because I, <laughs> you know, turn over. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you listening to it? No, <laughs> you know, keep listening because yes, you know, some of this stuff we try and make it so it's accessible for as many people as possible. And I'm well aware that when you play wedding gigs... Do you know what? Before I played in a wedding band and did all of that kind of stuff, I hadn't played like songs chock full of bar chords for years. Because I played in rock bands. Yeah, it was... Power chords, power chords and, yeah. and all double stops and solos and riffs and stuff. When I was at school, I played in a big band for sort of six or seven years. And there's a lot of songs where it's trawling through those bar chords... And it's a technique all in itself, yeah. in a way, because your, your whole action on the guitar is very different. So let's talk practice regimes. That sounds horrible, doesn't it? Most things that are good for you on the guitar sound really, yeah. really unmusery. Yeah. And really, really awful. Like, oh, let's practice some scales. Oh, can't I kill myself instead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's I'm, what's called a regime. Really? <laughs> Regimes have to be turned over, don't you? Can't we have a democracy? No, really. (laughs) (laughs) We hope we make you laugh. Everyone's idea of of what constitutes practice is kind of different, but there are things I see amongst my students over and over again which could be easily put right and solved. It's funny, when you do any job, you must see it when you're teaching. Human nature plays such a massive part of why people act the way they do, how well they progress and, mm. you know, and part of, in a way, being able to kind of make it all work. Being directionless. Yeah. See that occasionally. You see that quite <laughs> Every a bit. Day, yes, yeah. like, having a goal and working towards it and accepting that not every goal will be achievable within a short amount of time and, so, and also accepting that the only road to nailing it is failure first. All of the things that seem to go against what so many people kind of seem to kind of profess these days, you know. You've only got to switch on X Factor, sorry, I have to say it, to see how much people praise mediocre ability. If somebody's brilliant, they're brilliant. I watched yeah. it the other day and the TV nearly ended up in next door's garden. But by and large, all of the best singers that I've ever known, and I've met a hell of a lot of them, work their arse off to be a good singer. They might have a good voice, but a lot of people do. But they still have to work their ass off to make it work properly. It's still an instrument. Yeah. And it's an instrument you can't see. Anyway, we're just ranting. No, no, here. it's good. It's good stuff. Fenching splinter. out loud. Love it. They do make you want to buy a BC Rich Warlock dress yes, in leather yeah. and get on your motorbike on your Harley and ride into the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Burn <laughs> in hell, you cheapskates. Yeah. Right, anyway, here we digress. Practice regime. The fact is, if you do not organise yourself, you're yeah. going to struggle to improve. Or struggle to improve in the time frame that you as a player probably deem acceptable. Yes, which is becoming less and less. (laughs) If I had a quid for every time somebody has said, oh, I'm just not getting very far with this, a lot of it is to do with having a goal and having a clear pathway of how to get there and having some kind of practice routine regime whatever you want to call it, dictatorship, (laughs) which which pushes you to that point. That makes complete sense. That's kind of how how it works. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Again, this is for everyone, you know. If someone's 10 years old and they're listening and they play guitar and they've only just picked it up, carry on listening because there'll be something in this for you. 
Yeah. If you if you don't even know your first chord yet. And hopefully, if you're a seasoned pro, and like me, you've been playing for 35 years and have no intention of stopping and doing it for a living, I'm hoping you too will get something out of this. And everyone in between. Yeah. When I think of practising, and I think back to when I was younger and practising, I sort of didn't really know what I was doing. But I had an idea in my head. Over time, your ideas kind of crystallise. You learn to teach people, and you read things, and things resonate with you, and you think, well, that's a good idea, I'll borrow that. And you kind of gradually piece together this massive jigsaw puzzle of what it's all about, how it works, and how you might just help somebody. Now, my guitar teacher I had through my teens, I saw him on a number of occasions after he taught me. And one of the most poignant things he ever said to me was he said, I didn't really do much. He said, I just showed you the shortcuts. You'd have figured it out eventually, but I just got you there a little bit quicker. And that's basically true. Eventually, I'm sure I would have found out that my picking was wrong or that my, you know, that I didn't really know many scales or that my fretboard knowledge was a bit incorrect. It, but it would have taken me longer. So a guitar teacher alone, clearly, this was the guy saying it to me after I'd been taught by him for four years. He had my money every week. You know, and even yeah. he's saying, you know, I did the best I could. But in reality, this is what I did. I showed you some shortcuts. Yeah, you've got to work it yourself, haven't you? Right. Yeah. And thereby lies the thing. That's yeah. what a lot of people don't always realise, certainly younger players. They think that turning up to a lesson for an hour a week is going to turn them into Eddie Van Halen. It's not. You can only do that yourself. Yeah. So, first things first. Let's deal with the dividing the practice time up. Now, this, I think, is very interesting and very, very important. And I have a couple of theories which have always borne out as true and always works. And universally, they seem to work for everybody. Practicing the guitar is not picking up the guitar and playing everything you've ever played before. That is not practicing. Yeah. That's playing. Let's get that on out of the way right now. So when you pick up a guitar... And you play, like, I will pick up a guitar just to have a blast. And I'll have a blast. That's not me practicing. That's me having a blast. If there's a particular technique I want to work on, and you'll probably hear me playing a lot slower, I'll probably be playing a lot less and more, you know, naturally. I'll probably be playing the same thing over and over again. I'll probably be making some mistakes along the way. And I'll be trying to nail something very, very specific. That is practicing. That's the difference. Let us not get confused with the two. Now, the great John Petrucci from Dream Theatre, years ago in an interview, he said a very interesting thing. And I thought, do you know what? That is actually genius. He said, I've got this filing cabinet. And this filing cabinet, he said, any time I get a new piece of information from a guitar magazine or something, you know, even he reads them, or some something I've found on the internet or something, he said, I'll, I'll file it in my cabinet. And he said, and I've got four headings. So I don't know what they are, but I imagine it's like, you know, sort of scales, arpeggios. Yeah. You know, whatever they are. But anyway, he's got four headings. And he will sort of file it away in the most appropriate part of the filing cabinet. And he practices two hours a day every day, regardless. That's, you know, his commitment to, to playing. And he picks, every day he picks one item from each of the four sections and spends a rigid half an hour on it. Nice, nice idea. A nice idea. Possibly a little bit rigid for some people. So let's kind of think about it in real world terms. Let's bring it down to what normal common man would find acceptable. Well, what, what's good about what he's doing there is he's um, storing stuff away and then he's removing the getting lost from it, isn't he? He's like, he's, he's got the physical stuff out there in the filing cabinet and he's, he's, setting him, he, he's setting himself a nice easy target and he doesn't have to think then about what he's doing. He just draws something from the cabinet and, 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 and doesn't get lost and goes for it, yeah. Yeah. yeah so that, that's, that's quite cool, yeah. There's a certain point in music where organisation can become so rigid that it stops the creative side. And there's also a point where the creative side doesn't always have a backbone unless you add some kind of 
Like, you can be really, really, really creative on the guitar, but don't know how keys work, and don't know how scales work, and you can still create amazing music, but you would then struggle maybe to communicate that to other musicians. So there's a point where the rigidity cuts into the creativity, and there's a point where the creativity could do with the rigidity... To be quicker, maybe. To to consolidate everything, Mm. you know? Yeah. So let's take... John Petrucci's practice model as a starting point. So this is what I decided to do, and it seems to work well for people. Although he divides his things into his practice time into four different sections, I'm going to pick three sections, because I think this is more realistic. He's at such a level where any technique is within his grasp, even if he has to work on it. Whereas if you're just picking up the guitar, you know, you're not going to go up to somebody who's been playing the guitar for two weeks and go, right, now we're going to learn this really tough Brad Paisley chicken-picking solo. Yeah. Not fair. It's not going to happen, is it? Both it's taken hours and hours and hours and hours and days and days and weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's still going to sound crap. Yeah. So you, <laughs> yeah. you wait until someone's technique has kind of got to the point where they could handle that if they pushed it a little bit. Looking at, say, three subheadings under the term practice, I always feel the first thing you should practice, now this goes for if you've got 15 minutes, if you've got half an hour, if you've got less than 15 minutes, you're probably going to pick it up and have a play. Fine. But you could do 15 solid minutes practice if you knew what you were going to do and you were organised. So let's say for the first section of your practice, regardless of the time you've got on the guitar, within reason, you practice something which is the thing that needs reiterating all the time. So your scale shapes, your exercises. Maybe rather if you've got less time, rather than doing a whole bunch of exercises, you pick one, one day, one the next. So sequence your scales, look for arpeggios and scale shapes, something like that each day. Something that's got to be drummed in all the time. It might be, if you're not so sure of chords that actually doing a little bit of chord work and going, okay, we're going to go through the whole scale in in chords. Now I'm going to make them seventh. Then ninths. Yeah, then the ninths. things that need to be reiterated to you over and over yeah so anything which requires repeat playings to really settle in because you're going to use it all the time yeah 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 you know so for some like bringing down a brass tack say we've got our 10 year old kid he's just picked up the guitar the guitar teacher has given him over the course of the last couple of weeks five chords to learn for him this would be playing through the chords Changing in time. Trying something. to change in time and then maybe flipping the sheet over, maybe write the chord names down on the back of the sheet and then see if he can remember the shapes without yeah. looking at the sheet. Yeah, front. okay. Anything that's got to be drummed in over and over and over, this is a good time to do it because if you don't do it at this time, it will never happen. And what will happen instead is you'll skip at the very least to the next to the next step. The next thing, the set which forms the centre of your practice, because this isn't just reminding you of what you've already done and, and stuff, and the second bit is something that you, you're wanting to learn, you're wanting to work up to. It could yeah. be a solo, it could be an excerpt from a song, it could be a lick, 
It, yeah. c- it could be a song itself that you're working on. For that poor little kid playing his five chords, it might be a three-chord trick that the teacher has shown him, and now he needs to stitch the chords together and play them all at the appropriate time. Like... Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's the working on bit. It's the fact that you're pushing things forward. You're moving forward. You're playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you've got something that you're actually working on. If you're talking to somebody who's maybe quite far down the line, it could be that they're going to work on using an unusual scale or an unusual mode. Um, It could be that they're wanting to do something technically difficult, like, you know, the sort of... Guthrie Govan style octave sort of <laughs> sort of things. Yeah. Where he does a shape on the bottom kind of thing. And try to string, string ah, skips and yeah, then move yeah, yeah. from the E to the D to the B and then back again and so on. Yeah, it could be you're trying to integrate some nastiness like that in your playing and you want a good amount of time to work on that. Yeah. I worked quite hard on the old pick and fingers. Yeah. You know, sort of... yeah. And then a little while ago, a few months ago, we had the old um, the country string band. Absolutely. Really good. Yeah. So it could be any anything that you're not a master of now. Yeah, yeah. But you want to become one. Yeah. Once you've done all of that, and as you see, it could be something real simple. It could be something really complicated. I always say to people, what's your favourite thing? Guitar playing wise, there must be something that really lights your flame. There's yeah. got to be. Otherwise, you wouldn't be playing. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's got to be something. So, in your shoes, for you, what really does it for you more than anything else? I think really good rhythm playing, usually. Yeah, if I'm getting a rhythmic thing really good. Yeah. Or if I'm... It's it's like there's a lot of stuff there that I do find a bit difficult, like playing bass lines along with songs and things Mm. like that. That's probably what I should be working on a bit. Um, Yeah. uh, The funk stuff. I think when uh, you play that well, that's really good. So that that warm up thing, I'll put in that right. middle bit of practicing. See the I like two tap in as well, so I'm going to try and add that mm. in. Yeah, I mean, the two things, the the warm up and the the practice regime, do kind of cross over. Yeah. Uh, but the practice is the thing that you're probably more likely to get the opportunity to do. Yeah. You know, but both both are quite quite valid. Like bending riffs and stuff like that as well. Like uh, you know. Swell volume swells and that kind of Jeff Becky type volume stuff. That's that's amazing. The old um, the better on the bridge for one. Yeah, yeah, all that kind of. Uh... Maybe I should work on one of his solos or something. Yeah. Oh, was that one you were playing at the beginning? Where were you? Yeah, yeah where were you? Yeah, that's, right. that's a good one to Because that's volume swells. And my dream doesn't go far enough. Uh, so... <laughs> Just set, set us off in the right direction. What tone should I have? I mean, I was using a bridge bridge humbucker, but it's quite a wiry humbucker. But... So probably... Actually, that's not bad, is it? Tone. Just give us the first two notes and I'll uh, do what the rest 14, down. 17 on the B. Get the tone right is, is what I think. So. 
I say what do you like on guitar and I'm surrounding it towards what you're playing what you like playing is because most of us have something we enjoy playing on the guitar and we, if left our own devices we pack up a guitar and that's what we play yeah I quite like the sort of advanced pentatonic kind of stuff yeah where you've got this almost Eric Johnson-y kind of thing <laughs> Devices, really nice. that was pretty good. <laughs> as is if left to my own devices that's often what I'll end up playing yeah. is uh, something like that if I pick up the guitar um, probably with a few more notes <laughs> Like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
that. I hope our recording does it justice. <laughs> Thanks very much for That's that. That's all right. No That's worries. That's fantastic. Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals and guitar tone. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website on tunein-toneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs and further research and resources. It's also a good place to get in touch. We hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and as useful as I do and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. Hey.